Welcome, friends, to Tanked Up, the podcast about video games and beer. I'm one of your hosts, Ben. It's episode 307. I'm here with Adol. Hey! Hey! I said I was going to get a bit of paper to write down all of my notes, and I've you not didn't. done it. Well, Shall my I do phone that? vibrated, which means I'm somewhere in the room, um, <laughs> which means I don't think I put it in airplane mode, but also I don't know where I put it. Which means so we're both... Smashing yeah. the start of this. We've started it excellently. Um, yeah. If you're new to Tanked Up, this isn't how we always start our shows. Normally it's a little bit more organised. Um, but it's just the two of us this week. Uh, Lucy is unfortunately busy for the evening, so she's not joining us this week. Um, but, as we do, every episode, we shall open some beers and discuss them before we launch into talking about video games. Adol, what beer do you have for... Episode three hundred and seven. Uh, I've got um, the Northern ah. Rum Black Door Projects Canada series OFSO six one. That's the collab with uh, Third Moon Brewing. Although I don't see that on this one. No, I think no, that not one a isn't a collab. Oh. Um. Yeah. So last week we did. Um, Last two episodes we did the other OFS six two and six three. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the Beaver Tail Pale Cinnamon Apple Pastry Pale Ale five point five percent, and its hops and adjuncts are Calypso Apple and Cinnamon, and it has DEI Saskatchewan Nova Scotia and Ontario checked in boxes. Oh, and New Brunswick and Alberta, and the Yukon, but it doesn't have Northwest Territories, Nunavut, British Columbia, Manitoba. Newfoundland or Quebec in. So it's got all the provinces and territories in like little checkboxes on the tin. Mm. And then it's just like, nah, fuck all you. Only some of these. I have no idea what it means. Maybe they think that um, there aren't beavers in the other places. For the beaver tail. Potentially. Anyway, that is indeed what I have. Perfect. Nice. Um, I try and remember my thoughts on that beer, um, which I drank couple of weeks ago. We'll see if they uh, appear as you're drinking it. Um, I am going to drink a beer from Verdant. It is the Dunkel that they've put out. Um, a Munich Dunkel, in fact. It's 5% and uh, it's a Munich lager. Um, dark lager. A luxurious malt-driven beer traditional to the Munich region. They have got Styrian Goldings of the hop. Uh, hmm. In both the hot and the cold side. Uh, da, 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 I think that's pretty much it. And it's got um, barley. Uh, that's the only allergen that's in this. So hmm. uh, I guess they've got you know barley malts rather than wheat or oats or kind of anything else in this. Um, but it's a shame they haven't said what the malts are, considering it's a dunkel. And it's hmm. kind of about the malts a little bit more uh, than anything. But... We'll get this opened and see how it is. I had a little bit of a craving for kind of darker beers, um, yeah. you know, not not necessarily kind of like bitters and, and stuff like that. Although I have had a few of those over the last kind of couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, when I saw this in the shop, I'm like, yes, hey, absolutely, a dark beer, perfect, done. Cool. So I get this poured and we'll come back to you. The sure. Northern Monk. What was the beer called? Beaver the- Tail. Beaver Tail Pale? Yeah, Beaver Tail Pale, Cinnamon Apple Pastry Pale Ale. Uh, you can look at it. It is very hazy. Mm. Not much like going through it, but it does sort of not like solid. But I would say like um, slightly more orange straw. Yeah. Uh, poured with very little head. Um, but I got like immediately apple cinnamon off the nose, even on the pour. Like, like, a, like a Christmas cider you get at like a coffee shop where they've got the cinnamon stick in it yep um so yeah so and then closer up there's that cinnamon definitely is edging it out again not not like it's it's a light nose it's just very apple cinnamony so it's not like i'm like getting hit from here being like oh god it's all 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 cinnamon all the time Mm -hmm. yeah i remember very similar reaction to the nose hmm 
<laughs> Potentially mm. a very similar reaction to the flavor as well. <laughs> yeah. It, ooh, so we talk a lot about how beers often smell different than they taste, and the initial taste of this beer is that nose that, again, isn't in your face. It's still all cinnamon and a touch of apple, which is not what I seek out in beers. Mm-hmm. I've only had a small sip. I'm left with this really stark bitterness at the end, and it's getting edged by that cinnamon to make it feel like it's not a beer bitter finish. This is very... Mm. Okay, so in the middle, there's this there's a sweetness that's coming off the uh, the beer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice a little bit a little bit rounder, but there's just too much cinnamon. I'm sorry, like I can't I can't yeah. get past it. Um, maybe by the end I'll get used to it, but I don't. The fact that it's like poor taste. Ooh, that's too much cinnamon. And then there's this like this moment of like ah, it's going away. But as soon as you, like, the strength of the beer taste leaves, which, again, for me so far has been, like, a half second or a second, the cinnamon takes over again. It's like, if you think of the cinnamon as, like, a bar, and where our taste curve is peaking above it and then dropping below it, like, just, but the cinnamon is just this constant high bar, mm-hmm. and everything has to pass in order to really be detected. And again, it's, it is an apple cinnamon, so it's not just, like, the burning of a cinnamon, but it is much more cinnamon than apple um, I don't know if I've ever had a northern monk that's whiffed this badly for me, to be <laughs> honest. Um, um, if if at the end of this I change my mind, or or even if it's not just less this, uh, at the end of the episode I'll say something. But I mean, I'll drink it to for science. But this is one of those beers that I probably wouldn't finish unless I was hard up for a beer. You like mm-hmm. like I'm not like I'm never that hard up. This is really doing nothing for me, but I am curious with a at least a half pint in me uh, over like 10 15 minutes, you know, half an hour whether it'll grow on me. Yep. yep. Um but apparently I would say that uh oh, yeah, that Northern Monk needs to maybe have kept pulled on third moon brewing for this one as well <laughs> i really liked the other two i thought in that collaboration and this is good on you for for keeping a straight face and and not saying anything about your experience <laughs> i mean it it's it's as you said um i mean you've already kind of mentioned the idea that maybe you wouldn't finish it and, and i didn't when I had this beer, uh, again, it was just kind of an evening. Like, oh, I'll, I'll try this first, you know, this this beer, see kind of what the the level of this box is kind of going to be. It's, I think, it's the first number. I think the other yeah, two were six one, and we six, six one, two, three. Yeah. Um, I thought, okay, cool. They're they're opening up with this one, maybe because it's the lower in percentage. I don't know why they have their numbering convention as they do, but it kind of leads you to believe, okay, this is going to lead me into the beers and show me kind of the quality and what's going on. And I had when I opened that one that it wasn't a collaboration as the other two were and I guess maybe time constraints and things like that meant that they needed a third beer for the box and uh, they wanted to put out three so I decided just to throw another one together with maybe mm. discussions they'd had and things but very very similar to what you've said um, very weak in the apple sort of sense it's like incredibly weak apple juice with that, that someone's almost chucked in a pan to boil up a little bit and kind of make, you know, uh, a hot cocktail. They're going to throw some rum or some whiskey in there or something like that. Maybe put in a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg, something like that. And, I'm adding and... the bottle of rye that I brought back from Canada. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's not a... No, I'm not adding rye to my disappointing beer. Yes, and, they've, and, and all they've done is they've overboiled the apple juice. They've put in far too much cinnamon, and they just didn't bother putting in any of the liquor. Um, yeah. That's kind of how I felt about it. So, yeah, um, matching you on that one. Um, shall I move on to the verdant? Yeah. To the dunkel? Um, obviously, it's a dark beer. Uh, a little, little browner 
in person than it comes across mm. on the camera. I don't know if we can mm, probably... Yeah, I can kind of see as the light goes... Uh, I'm pointing at my own screen, but I, I can't remember how we're into it. Yeah, you can kind of see the bottom when you're holding it. Like, yes. You can see yeah, the yeah, very yeah. bottom. You can see that brown sort of... Mm-hmm. It's definitely darker than cola, but it's definitely a brown... Absolutely. Black. And it's got a lovely, lovely sweet nose. A little bit of a roasted note on there as well. Um, poured quite frothy, um, quite carbonated. Um, you know, the head's dissipated really quickly, but nice little brown um, tinge to the head as well. And it's not that carbonated. That's actually a lot mm. flatter than I was expecting from sort of the fresh nose that it kind of gives off. Um, that's very nice, but... It kind of hits you with the, all of the flavour up front. Mm. Not to match with your thoughts too much, but yeah, all, all of the flavour is kind of up front. So. Hopefully it's not. It's better taste to your taste. Mm, mm. Well, there's a. There's a. A little bit of that sweetness that you get in the nose there, but not a huge amount. There's. Kind of much more deeper flavors going on than just a sweetness there's maybe a little bit of not blueberry but some kind of deeper berry note going on in there as well maybe like lingonberry or something like that something a little bit different that's a little bit deeper and a little bit not so sweet in the flavor um but it does lead to a bit of a bitterness on the back end as well. Not a massive amount, but a little bit. Um, and it's got that kind of mouthfeel to it that it's almost like a a beer that's been out a little bit too long. You've, you've cracked it, it was super carbonated, you poured it, and then you've come back to it kind of half an hour later and it's lost all of that carbonation. Like There is something just there. There is that little hint of carbonation pushing that touch of sweetness at the front. That all goes really quickly and then leaves you with this kind of slightly, not even dank, not bitter berry flavour. But something that's just a kind, a, a little bit sort of like, hmm, okay. Um, it's hard to describe, but it does have that almost cheap Coke flavour to it in its sweetness. Hmm. Not quite sort of aspartame but just a little bit kind of flat, almost. Interesting. But it does, as I say, leads in from that kind of more... It, it is kind of like a danker berry sort of flavour, but leads into just a, little, a light, very light bitterness on the finish. Which it does try and lift that sweetness that little bit again towards the finish, but that kind of goes and then just goes away very, very swiftly and just kind of leaves, as I say, with this little bit of a bitterness. Um, when was this brewed? This was brewed ah, 20 days ago. So it's pretty fresh. Um, mm. It goes out of date uh, in November. So they give nine months on the, on the beer. Um, mm. but it's, it's kind of, I suppose, expected for a darker lager. Um, something that isn't quite as crisp and clean, uh, um, that has that little bit more depth to it. It just feels quite light. Doesn't feel mm. quite punchy enough. Uh, um, you know, there's lots of lagers where you have like a Hellas or something, which, okay, that's lighter and you can get that crispness from it, but has a lovely, dank kind of flavour to it and a lot of them that have that little yeah. sort of like weediness as well um, and I, kind I mean of some of them also trade off of their carbonation to help bring out the lighter flavours because the you know the mm. literally like the bubbles help aspirate the flavour out I don't know if that's the right term but you know what I mean um, yeah. and uh, so it's that's why I, so I'm, I kind of surprised that it sort of is it, it is flat because um, you'd think you would be aiming for for that, right? Especially on a dark lager, on something that has sort of a lighter taste profile to just help boost it, but also because that's more in line with the style, right? Yeah, absolutely. I was just gonna just um, gonna try it and Google um, the brewery 
Um, I can't remember that is. the name. It's it's something like uh, Zubrot or something. They got like a jester on the front of their uh, bottles. Um, mm. I can't remember how they spell it, how they pronounce it, how they. It's even thingy, but it's something around that. Um, and I always remember uh, Dunkle from them, which was very, it feels like it was very similar to this, but again, just a bit fuller. Fuller in terms of, um, you know, the mouthfeel, fuller in terms of the power of that flavour as well pushing through. And that had that, just that extra hint of carbonation uh, as well. Um, and that's kind of the standard I think I've set my sort of dunkles to almost. Um, it doesn't quite get there. I would imagine that that would have been um, a little bit bigger on the ABV as well. Mm. Um, what was this one again? So I'm sure the brewery is com- called something like Zubrot or, or, or uh, something around there. Probably like two words. I think they're maybe Belgian. Um, they've got this like jester goblin-y kind of character on the front of the bottles. I seem to remember. This was a while back. This was like mm. two or three years ago. Um, I think I might have drunk one on the podcast as well because I got gifted like a four pack, I think. Don't know whether that one was the Dunkel uh, that I was I was given. Um, but yeah, people could find it. It'll be somewhere. Without me remembering what the name is, it's very hard to even uh. Google it to see. But yeah, um, there was there have been other Dunkels that have been doing a little bit more than this one is doing. But I'll get through it and I'll drink it and see how we feel uh, when we round out um, the hour today. Yeah. So we shall launch into games. Uh, drink these. We'll try and enjoy them as best we can. Absolutely. As we do with every single beer. Um, and we will chat about what we've been playing. Um, I thought I'd jump in straight away with yeah, um, some kind of extended thoughts on uh, Dying Like 2. I sort of mentioned nice. um, last week, I think, that I'd uh, started it, that I've been playing, uh, and only a couple of hours in. Uh, at the moment, I've hit about 24 hours, which seems like a lot of hours in one <laughs> game. Um, yeah, 23.9 hours I've hit. And I think my biggest problem with Dying... I'm going to start straight out with it. My biggest problem with Dying Light 2 is I don't feel like I've achieved anything. In all of that time that I've been playing, mm. I feel like I've done very little. Um, as the new kind of character, Aiden, you get to Villador, which is, I think, from the kind of opening scroll, one of the last cities that um, is standing that hasn't been taken over by you know the zombies. Uh, it's where the GRE, which is this corporation, a corporation or like government agency, I can't remember what they are, from the first game... They um, went to Villador, opened up a load of testing centres, tried to get control of the virus, and then kind of fell. And this is set, I think, 15 years after that. Um, I think it's set in around about uh, 36, 2036, because I think it suggested that 2021 was when the outbreak happened in the Dying Light universe, you know, for everyone to become zombies, essentially. Um, And you're kind of dragged into this conflict between sort of the survivors, the residents of the city and what they call the PKs, which are this like law enforcement type agency. And, and, you know, they're trying to save everyone from the zombies, but also to be a bit more authoritarian in terms of controlling resources and things. And the survivors don't want that. They want more freedom and, and these kinds of things. And you're kind of thrust into the middle of this conflict um, as not mm-hmm. even just sort of like, oh, hey, you're outside and you're impartial. Help us, you know, do this. It's kind of like, oh, hey, you're an out- you're outside, you're impartial, but you also run really fast and you seem to be really good at fighting zombies. Can you plant these bombs on the opposite side's kind of water supply or, or windmill so we can just destroy them and then we can be free of the yoke of the PKs? I'm like, hmm, okay, what decision? And it feels like this is built up because I've made a decision at some point as to whether to go ahead and say earlier, oh yeah, okay, I'll, I'll listen to what you're, what you want to do rather than reporting mm. them to back to the PKs. And there's lots of 
decisions in this, which again, I'm unsure what the impact is, but it feels like there is an impact at least. So again, I feel like I've But at no point you like, did you feel like you explicitly said, I'm going to be on this side. Yeah, but very much, very much. It was, it's all, it's been framed in a way where they've said, just give us a bit more time. Let, let's explain our plan to you. And I'm like, cool. Explain, fine. Just explain the plan to me. I'm not, I've not made a decision, but I think that was the decision. Um, because I, I haven't, from the memory of the last sort of, I suppose this might have come about hour, I don't know, 10 or 12 or something like that, maybe halfway through while I've been playing. Um, at no point do I feel there's been another decision which has thro- which has had that kind of ramification, working for one side versus the other. There have been smaller mm. decisions um, which have kind of affected some characters and things, um, but nothing on that sort of scale, at least. Right. And whilst I've made these moves, or the game has suggested to me to kind of make these moves, I still don't feel like I've done very much. Um, right. And I wonder if part of it is because it's such a big game. Um, you know, there was the whole idea that this game would take you like 500 hours, 500 hours. Yeah. to 100%. And I can absolutely see that. I can see that with everything that's going on, kind of not necessarily randomly as you're traversing through the city, but there's lots of pre-generated points, you know, question marks, as you get with every open-world game. I know lots Mm -hmm. of people have been um, discussing Horizon and the use of kind of question marks um, on the map, not getting very much back from them. This is very kind of similar, except it's sort of half and half with the stuff that's kind of Mm. presented to you. Some of it's like, oh, hey, here's somewhere you could raid and get some, um, you know, crafting materials. Or it might be someone that gives you a random side quest for you to be able to do. Um, but they appear sort of the same on the map? So or? they do until you get within a certain radius of them. And then suddenly it will kind of like pop and say, oh, this is what this is. Um, the people who give you is- quests, you don't get quite as close to them and they'll say that. But some of them you were almost on top of before they tell you what it is that you can kind of do that. Is there an in-game lore reasoning for your map having icons and all this information? No. No, you've got no kind of uh, uh, HUD um, as as a, you know, as the character or yeah. anything like that, which might say, oh, here's something over here. It does try and I've, I've been playing, again, with one headphone rather than a set of headphones and kind of surround sound, but yeah. um, it does throw up some random encounters that so far have uh, have been kind of one of three different things. Um, and you get a lot of these, but it is still one of mm. three different encounters. Um, but they appear as a little blue diamond, and you, you do have a you, you you have a HUD on the screen. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not yeah, it's a not like in-game character. You know, that's not like um, a Pip Boy or yeah, it's not like yeah. a, a Dragon Ball Power Meter or something like that. You know, it's kind of just for you for the player. Yeah. Um, but I've as, as these things kind of pop up. You do get a, 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 a sound cue as well. And with some of these ones which happen randomly on the map, you do get, um, kind of more environmental sound cues. So you might suddenly hear in the distance someone shouting for help. And they're, they're stuck on the top of a building and they've injured themselves. And you've got to basically give them one of your med packs or boosters right. that you get kind of thing. There's other ones where someone might have been um, captured by some bandits or some random guys in the city and you go and kill the other people and free them and you'll hear them shouting or you'll hear them saying, please let me go, you know, I've not done anything and all of this sort of stuff. And I think that there might be some kind of surround sound with this. I would hope that there is because mm. these you get this little kind of sound cue and then the, the diamond appears on your compass at the top of the screen. And right. I'm just like spinning around to be like, right, which way is this? Right. And I see as I turn towards it, the environmental sounds get louder. Again, helping me and assisting me in knowing which way to kind of go towards them. Um, and it'd be interesting to see how much that would affect it if I wasn't playing with the HUD up 
and having a sort of a, a compass to know where to kind of direct me to. Um, and it, it feels like there's a really good game built in this, like that they pulled in lots and lots of systems mm. and and stuff like the parkour is very responsive and quite good. Um, it's got a few little moments. Uh, the kind of combat system is, again, it feels like you're just a, a guy who's kind of learnt to fight a little bit. It's quite hard in what it's doing, limited in certain ways until you start to become better and, you know, through experience and, and right. uh, kind of points Lovely unlock government. other stuff. Yes, yeah. Um, so there's lots of stuff, like, technically in this that feels good, but it just feels a bit big and a bit bloated at the moment. Like I say, not not feeling like I've made very much progress. Uh, I'm kind mm. of bo- popping around the same areas. Uh, you know, I'm on one section of the map. There's two big sections of the map. And I'm kind of here, going around in these different areas sort of thing. But everything feels quite samey with it. Mm. And I feel like I'm repeating is... myself a lot in what I'm doing. Mm, this is the problem that I think they didn't really think about when they were like, when they were bragging about 500 hours to finish, everyone's like, oh, cool, so it's a grindy game. And then it sounds like you're kind of hitting that conclusion via play. Yeah, completely. Um, you know, 24 hours in, that's a big chunk of time already to spend. And it's kind of one of those where you think, well, even if that's even if it's double that and it's a 50-hour or 60-hour game, I feel like the story should have pushed on a little bit more (laughs) than it kind of has done and I don't feel like I've gone off and done every side quest it's thrown at me or gone to every random encounter or raided these shops that you can only kind of go in safely at night because all the zombies have come outside so there's only a few of them left inside Um, so you can go and get crafting elements or, or, or more powerful weapons and those sorts of things it just, yeah, it just feels big, big and bloated. Um, it's definitely one that if people love open world games, you will get a lot out of this because there is a lot to do. You know, it's a, it, I was just going to ask, like, the big complaint of the past, like, especially five years, I would say, uh, is like basically post Breath of the Wild open world as a for- formula hmm. has been very formulaic, and that that game showed how it could be different and it showed how you could have a more living feeling world yep. and like sure it's zelda and so empty fields with goblins and not much else and like like the setting allows for um expecting less so i think making with the, the change like the, how dynamic that world is and how and how dynamic it feels are very different and it feels so dynamic be despite mm. being very empty in a way that like anything with an urban setting can't get away with uh, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Um, it's, it's so built up and full as well, um, in terms of its place. Uh, I know I spoke about kind of place previously when we were talking about, um, submerged hidden depths last week. Um, and this again feels like it's in a, it's in a place, you know, it, it definitely exists and you're moving around an environment. Mm-hmm. And I think they've made it in a way that, again, it could be anywhere. You know, it's kind of old town, European, overgrown. It's trees growing on roofs, which I'm not sure would actually happen in a 15-year period. 15, uh, no. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of stuff where they've kind of gone, right, Let's it, it, we're sort of set in anywhere Europe. And right. we've decided that our kind of post-apocalyptic environment is going to be a bit more overgrown, but still have little kind of um, best described like a, a sort of ramshackle buildings um, where people with clearly absolutely no builders survived this zombie apocalypse. No architects survived this zombie apocalypse. It is just... Uh, sorry to hear that, but... Yeah, well, I'm yeah, gone. We were one of the first. Um, that's how it started. Targeted all the architects. Um it feels like everything is kind of makeshift and put together by the inhabitants that are within the the, the city, which in itself is place building. Um, yeah. The idea that everyone is just trying to get by by sort of doing what they can. Yeah, great. 
but it's the same few buildings everywhere. Um, and they obviously right. just shipped the same four guys who built this one and went, can you go and build an- another one just over there, please? And they're like, oh, That's... yeah, okay. And they went so, over there in the world and it took them another couple of months to build their little ramshackle. They went, we did it like this over there. Let's do it like this here again. Rather than utilizing different ways that the structures could kind of um, exist on top of buildings and things. There's a little bit of variation. Mm. But everything, everything, the, 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 the world, the environments, the enemies, the quests, the side quests, the random things that you can do in the world, everything feels very samey. Um, mm. And it's not, you know, it's not like an immersive sim where there's five or six different ways that you could go about doing something. It is a run over here, do a load of parkour through this bit, kill some things. Now run away, do a load of parkour to get out of there, kind of thing. There's been moments, moments which I've really liked. Um, one quest had me going down into a car park, an underground car park, to, um, I can't remember what I had to find, just find some goods. Someone had been tipped off that it hadn't been raided, so there must be some good stuff down there. And it was quite a scary encounter, you know, very limited light. Um, some of the enemies were a little bit harder and would alert others. So suddenly you could be sort of swarmed with them. So trying to do things maybe that little bit sort of stealthily. But it wasn't difficult enough for me to go, okay, I'm going to do it stealthily. It's that kind of that meme where it's like, you stealth here. And I just pulled my bazooka out and decided to blow right. everybody up. But again, I can craft Molotovs. I just chucked a couple of them. The thingy screamed and brought some more chucked another couple of Molotovs and then just finished off the last of them that were there. Moved through the next level, took out a couple of other ones, moved to the next one. It was only five, so I'm just like, right, cool. I can hack away at you guys, absolutely no problem, and moved into it. But at least the setting, and when you get into it at first, it kind of felt scary. It didn't quite deliver on that initial feeling that they built through a very good um, set of um, small corridor environments that you took to get kind of down to it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, there's some little bits in here. There's some little gems of sort of yeah. quests. And there's a lot of good in terms of the kind of the technical side of things. Um, but they just haven't utilized it very well. Um, you know, a bit of parkour, a mm. bit of combat, stuff feels okay. And then they've just gone, yeah, but just do it to go over here and kind of do this. We're not going to give you a huge amount of kind of variation. In, in, in what's happening. That, that might change. Um, there's a little bit of a overarching, uh, um, kind of city strategy type game where you unlock, uh, I think it was a water tower at first, and then you can decide which faction gets to live in that zone or, or, or run that zone. Mm. And by doing so, you unlock kind of like a perk. So I picked the survivors first, and in that zone, it's now covered with, or the zones that the survivors uh, um, inhabit, it's covered with zip lines everywhere now. So it's a bit easier for mm. me to kind of get between rooftops. And I think, that, you know, that grades up, so um, all of your parkour kind of abilities will be enhanced as such. Right. As I um, do this, or the city will be enhanced to make more use of my parkour abilities whereas I think if I'd have gone with the PKs it's more about combat uh, and fighting right. and it, it's kind of it's mm. like you could do parkour you could do combat but in most cases you're doing both anyway you're parkouring to the combat and then doing a few parkour moves during the combat and then going away again but but the skills are tied to the faction? The, not, the, not the skills, just sort of one um, one kind of upgrade almost. So there's this oh, like one see. city upgrade. I know on the PK side of things, it's the kind of the one they use to sort of advertise why you would go over to the PK side. Um, they have lots of traps in the world. So if you're being chased by hordes of sort of zombies, you can run past a car and set off like a bomb in the car that's been placed there already. Um, or they've got some big spiked wheel things that are sort of set up that can kind of come down and garrot everything or crush everything as you run under it and tap it and it will just sweep through and kill everything um so that's kind of the difference your skills are tight again your skills are tied actually saying that to parkour and to combat 
So the more experience you get in parkour, the quicker that your parkour skills will oh, unlock, okay. and the more you combat experience, the more you'll unlock your combat things. But yeah, it's just kind of a bit. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's a it's a game. Um, it's a competent game. It just needs to trim that bloat. You know, this could have been a fantastic, like, thirty-hour game. Instead, right? Get rid of everything. Get rid of kind of just just leave it in this small open world. And I know that they, with Dying Light, they, they I think it's been about seven years between the two games. Um, but with Dying Light, they threw out tons of DLC, tons of extra bits, tons of updates, paid and free. Um, and you know that game was absolutely <coughs> huge at the end. Um, and I think they've just kind of gone, well, we've got to deliver something similar. How do we do that? Well, we just make a fucking massive world. And the two things that you can do in the world, you just have to do 4,000 times. Yeah, I call that the Just Cause 4 problem. <laughs> just Cause 2 was fantastic, and 3 iterated well on it, and was a little big, but you had such interesting ways to travel, it was okay. And then 4 was just ginormous, and it was like, okay, but there's nothing to do on this map. And, like, yes, you can, like... You know, do the parachute zip line mm-hmm. perpetual flight thing. Well, that still takes some time. And then, so, so then they're like, ah, oh, we'll just give you access to like get vehicles quicker. It's like, no, I don't. Ah. You've missed something here. Mm-hmm. Dying Light 2's got parachute in it as well at some point, or a glider mm. or something or, similar. Yeah. Um, the same as from like, what Horizon. I understand, gliders everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. From what I understand, one of the complaints, I think it was on the besties, they were commenting that. Parkour feels really good, but by the end of the game, you've got better ways to travel, so you stop doing. Yeah, it. yeah, I can absolutely like, okay, I can see cool. that. That's like the selling point of. Well, that's like one of the differentiating points for your series. So why are you end game getting rid of it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it'd be like Mirror's Edge Two. Would come out and gone. Hey, you can do the, here's here's the first hour. You parkour around. You know, yeah, it's more Mirror's Edge, and then gone. Oh no, you can just teleport yourself wherever you want. Don't worry about it. Just just don't even run through the city anymore. Just, just blink, really? just blink. No, no, it didn't. It didn't do that. I'm saying it would be very. Oh, you know, if it did, if it did, okay. it's that kind of thing. It's like, hey, all of this stuff that you've got very good at and upgraded all of your skills in, and you can now launch off of. You know, can jump over an item and launch off of it for a longer sort of leap, or, or double jump. You know, I don't know whether you mm. can double jump, um, but you can jump a little bit higher and you increase your stamina, so you can climb for that a little bit longer, and then just go. I oh, don't worry about it. Here's a here's a glider. You can go to the top. The highest point you like is glide all the way down as much as you want. Like, spend the half a game um, developing your knife skills, and then they give you a gun with unlimited ammo. <laughs> um, interestingly, this game doesn't have any guns. Uh, yeah, I think that it's not one of the selling points. Like, you can like specialize in like one-handed or two-handed weapon. Uh, oh, I don't know whether you can. So, so there's also, or at least, yeah, the, maybe specialize as a loose. Yeah, uh, you can definitely enhance. Uh, using certain weapons, um, they've got a load, they've got a gear system as well. So you've got a, a head, hands, feet, trousers, and top kind of items that mm. you pick up. And each of those has a kind of almost a class assigned to them. So like a healer, which means that you can you know heal yourself uh, better, mm. or, or, or bandages work a little bit better. There's a brawler, which I think increases one-handed weapons. There's a tank, which increases two-handed weapons, makes you a little bit tougher. There's um, I don't know whether they call it marksman, hunter, archer. It's an arrow, basically, um, which increases your sort of like ranged weapons. And I've, I've seen some stuff where there's bows, uh, crossbows, those kinds of things. Um, but I haven't come across those yet. Um, so there's still a lot of stuff to kind of uncover. You know, this glider, range, proper ranged weapons in terms of sort of like bows and things. Uh, and probably another like 40 hours of story that I just don't feel that compelled to get through. Um, especially now Horizon's turned up at the door. Um, you know, ah, a, a, I was going to Almost ask. a week later than it should, because the storm stopped all of the postmen from uh, being able to go out and deliver post. So it arrived yesterday, and I put it in. I've updated it. I've installed it, but I haven't had a chance to even start it yet. So... Who knows when I'll even, you know, when I'll get to that. Um, considering the buzz around Elden Ring, 
uh, a game which was kind of on my yeah I'll get to it at some point as I had done with the kind of previous Dark Souls games did you ever play Sekiro? Uh, no so Sekiro I haven't played um, it's uh, it, it's one where I always take a look at it on sort of like Steam sales and think oh should I should I get it now should I buy it now and then just always leave it just and never think well I've got some time to play Sekiro I'll do that now it's, just, it's always one that's kind of just gone from memory quite quickly mm. for me yeah so I mean I haven't I, I've Elden Ring is like a from software game that I'm tempted by as well mostly because uh, I didn't really give the other ones a chance hmm. like I had a copy of Bloodborne on oh I still have no, I must have sold. I think I sold it uh, the obviously PS4 copy because um, I just had sat on a shelf and like I had Dark Souls or two or three or something mm-hmm. or one. I don't remember on like a PS Plus or like I got it for free on some sort of system and played less than twenty minutes of. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm not in the mood for this type of game. And then all the hype around Bloodborne, I was like, oh, I should try that. And then I just never did. Yeah, and like. Read a couple of reviews on Elden Ring, which talk about how they've introduced a magic mage classes, which mean you you can play the game without as much with it differently, without this like perfecting parrying. You still have to obviously get right patterns and stuff, but it might be less twitchy. And some of the reviews are talking about how the world is really vibrant, and like they say, they're saying it in the same senses as Breath of the Wild, yes. and um, and that there's there, there are no boundaries, and so you can go anywhere, and there's lots of cool things to find, and you aren't sort of stuck being like, I have to get past this fight ever, really, because mm-hmm. there, there isn't a linear path forced on you, and that's like, oh, cool, because what I really like doing is exploring and fidgeting in worlds and finding things, and if there's a way of... Learn like seeing if I actually would like to play those front software games, but have like a oh I'm not in the mood for that. Don't worry, I can still do something else in this game. That seems like the happy medium that might get me to see if I would like to learn how to you know roll around the floor or whatever the <laughs> get good kids do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of people have talked about this in the same sort of way, at least with the open world and the feel of how it's evolved from previous games like they did with Breath of the Wild. And we didn't quite have that same uh, kind of discussion with um, Horizon Forbidden West. You know, that's mm. very much a game which seems to have come out as Dying Light 2 has, which is the same as the predecessor. Um, and it changes stuff up a little bit, enhances a few sort of things. But Elden Ring seems to at least iterate on the formula um, or evolve that. I, say, I think it's more evolved because mm. I feel like, from what I understand, like there are people who insist that Sekiro is the best from software okay. game, and some who say, you know, everyone has their champions. But one of the things that they say that is, is just because it's the iteration of that formula in a sharper way, and it has a bit of an evolution with the dying twice thing. But it's it's like you need to dying twice is like like getting the extra life doesn't really do as much as you think. That's like the gimmick of that game. You still need to like be very good and perfect mm-hmm. your timing and all that other stuff, right? And that's like Souls game. It's just it it, it is like a, the epitome of a Souls game. And it's newer and it's less clunky because they've learned things and blah blah blah. While Elden Ring seems like a oh what if we expanded the scope of our souls game yeah yeah i mean again by reviews uh, but that's why i'm excited for it and potentially that comes from you know the team behind it this is now the i don't know whether you would go back to um kind of like armored cores kind of gameplay and stuff to say that they were they you know that the, the the first demon soul and the systems in that kind of stemmed or, or came from that i think it's a little bit too different but they've had demon souls then dark souls one two and three 
Bloodborne, Sekiro. So this is the three, four, five, six, the seventh game in this kind mm. of play style, which is that much more experienced than, say, Gorilla and Horizon or Techland mm. and, and Dying Light. Uh, yes, they've pumped those games, you know, from software, pumped those games out over the last, what, 10 years? Uh, maybe 12 years, something like that, when the first Demon's Soul uh, came out. Um, so they've had a lot of time and a lot of shipped experience with this as well. You know, Techland have had a lot of time in the development of Dying Light and then into Dying Light 2. You know, that's a sort of a 10, 11 year kind of period. But they've only had two shipped products um, to have kind of feedback on and, and that sort of stuff. Whereas mm. the From Software games have always looked at doing something slightly different. Okay, maybe not so much between Demon Souls and then Dark Souls 1, 2, and 3. But then into Bloodborne, they changed up kind of like the parry system and that sort of stuff. Sekiro, where they've changed up kind of how the, that, that game gets, again, gets a little bit more, not even platformy, but a, well, I suppose it is a bit more platformy, isn't it, as well? With the idea that you've got the grapple hook and you can sort of move between sort of rooftops and, and things like that. It's much more sort of Ninja Gaiden than, um, sort of Dark Souls, really. Uh, so they've had a lot of experience in, shipping stuff and saying right cool what do people like about that what didn't people like about that what can we take and move on with next what ideas do we want to develop and move on to so I can absolutely see why Elden Ring is just coming out and just hitting all the right notes for lots and lots of people uh, and I will say I know as we talked about it earlier Lucy if she was here she would always say wait a couple of weeks for then those kind of that sheen to to drop off of any of these games and the reviews that kind of come out for people to, you know, get their teeth into them and really sort of dig down. And I'd love to see that the reception for Horizon in two weeks versus the reception for Elden Ring two weeks after its yeah. release and see which one um, kind of is not rated higher. Uh, I always think it's one of those that actually if you... You know, you review a game, if you come back to it and you're playing through it again, can that review, you know, your review and your score kind of would change, but would it for any of these kinds of games? With, with Elden Ring, it seems like it's a much more smaller experience than kind of, you know, Dying Light 2 and Horizon. It's not quite as open worldy in terms of, hey, you've got to go and do all these little question mark things. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see in a couple of weeks how people think about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is definitely it's interesting, at least in my neck of the woods of the internet things. Elden Ring has had like low key hype, I thought for a while, mm -hmm. but now that it's coming closer, it seems to have like come to a boiling point. While like Horizon, I feel like when it was announced, it was like, and then. It's like everyone just stopped caring. Yeah. Or yeah. Just, even even before it came out, it's like, oh yeah, Horizon's coming out next week uh, or in a month or whatever. And it was like, oh yeah, uh, that sequel I knew was coming around now. And, and but I mean that on like my social media feeds, people, a couple of people mentioned it, like, oh yeah, I might play that. But like, there wasn't a like, it's coming out next week. Oh, I'm so stoked! Like that that like hype just wasn't there yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um. And I don't know why. Um, yeah, it's just fine. Like you find that interesting when a sequel, when it's announced, is like super peaky. But it's, I think maybe it is just like the little information we got beforehand wasn't didn't say anything. I think I didn't know it would be more of the same. Like it wasn't like we knew too much, but we definitely didn't know it have any inkling that it wouldn't be no and, and they very much and very cleverly i think in the marketing at least with horizon uh, playstation have learned something in terms of not giving the game away too quickly um and we've had a couple of kind of like state of play stuff and a few little blog posts and then a couple of trailers and things but they very much focused on 
that those additions, right? The glider that Aloy has, the kind of mm-hmm. the change to the sort of the, like the climbing mechanic, a few of the changes to sort of the combat system. Uh, that's what we've seen kind of in the build up. So it's been limited. It's been very small little drips of information. But then everyone, I suppose we should have, we should have seen it and gone, cool. They've only told us this little bit. It's the same game with just these few changes, right? Um, I know from listening to, um, Waypoint a couple of weeks ago, last week maybe, um, that they, uh, they were chatting about Horizon and sort of were saying, you know, again, it's another big empty, um, sort of world. There's lots to do in it, which is all very samey again, but it's, it's a big empty world which has these robot dinosaurs kind of walking around. And one of the issues was that you can kind of and have to observe the dinosaurs to then say, cool, I know their patterns. I know um, where I can, you know, they're, they're kind of like critical points on their body where I can kind of take armor off of them, which, which weapons I need to use for that sort of stuff. But they basically have a set kind of path almost around this area or they're ring fenced in at least in kind of an area it's not like and and this is this is kind of what i wanted from horizon like an ecosystem right that you have all of these robot dinosaurs kind of living within this ecosystem that don't necessarily Mm. rely on each other for sort of like the food chain and stuff like that but at least can butt heads for territory and who eats the best grass or leaves or, or or humans or other mammals or whatever else kind of exists in the world for them to kind of consume. Um, but this kind of, yeah, this, this ecosystem where everything kind of relies on everything else to, to live and work. And there's pa- proper patterns, like migratory patterns for these kinds of robots and this sort of stuff. And maybe that's getting a little bit too... Uh, expectant and very mm. easy for them to say well they're robots so they don't have the same kind of you know it's not AI which is learnt as human uh, as animals so they don't have the same kind of needs and wouldn't act similarly you know these things live here and they eat the grass or they eat the little rodents that kind of live around this area and that's where they stay you know, very easy to write that out but it feels like they should have done something like that. You know, that would have been the next stage for at least the world for, for Horizon. Um, right. Yeah. A game I haven't played yet. I can't criticise it that much because I haven't even, I haven't even turned it on. So we shall see. I shall have thoughts on Horizon at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, I would imagine when everyone else is talking about Elden Ring, probably, uh, mm. and, and not Horizon, you know, luckily we're not a zeitgeist. Uh, exactly. Stick with us, and we'll talk. You know, we'll probably talk about Sifu in like three or four weeks, won't we? When one of us has eventually played it, um, yeah. You know, other than uh, everyone else who spoke about it weeks and weeks ago. Now, uh, cool. Um, I know we've run out. We've, we've, we've basically just chatted about Dying Light Two and open world games for kind of like 40, 45 minutes. Um, I, I don't know whether you've managed to, to sort of play anything. I know your regular um, first look slot we've pushed to uh, tomorrow so you can cover uh, a game which uh, for the embargo, which comes out uh, on Thursday yep. instead. Yeah. Um, no, not really. I've been playing a bit more Loop Hero. Oh, yeah. I unlocked the, the Necromancer, which is a nice, interesting... So, like... First class is like the warrior. You've got a shield, some armor, uh, one weapon, and like I think a ring slot. Or and you know you get as you kill things, you they just drop here. You put it on. Then there's the rogue, which loses a shield and gets two weapons. But every kill you get, you get a trophy, and then at the end of the loop all your trophies cash in for items and then you can gear up so you don't gear up at any point in the loop mm. um but every kill gets you uh, a guaranteed piece of gear basically which the warrior sometimes they drop nothing okay. sometimes they just drop tiles or cards or whatever um and that was an interesting balance and also it's obviously a little more offensive or you have to like go for evasion stuff well the necromancer literally has no attack and you have a book and you have two ring slots and a necklace and 
you summon skeletons and your stats are like summon quality percent. You know what that means, except sometimes it's a skeleton and sometimes it's like a skeleton with a nice hood and claws. And sometimes it's like a giant mummy, <coughs> essentially. And that guy seems to have more health. Okay. Right. So it's like, okay, so like there must be a die roll going on in the background. Get these things. You also have some gear that gets you summon an extra uh, skeleton because you default to just two. And so you basically just have a bar that fully fills. And if you have space to summon a skeleton when the bar fills, you summon it in each fight. And they tend to get hit first Mm -hmm. versus you. And you have like a magic shield as well, which refreshes every fight. So you're quite okay so long as your things aren't out leveling your skeletons. Because as soon as your skeletons die by a couple hits, if you're fighting four things, it's like hit, hit, skeleton. They all hit you, then you summon a skeleton, then that skeleton dies, and they start hitting you again. You're like, I might win this fight, but I'm going to have almost no mm-hmm. health. Um, but it's a definitely interesting and a, a very different play style. Um, I've also, um, there's a village. You basically, all the resources you get per, per thing, you make different buildings in the village, one of which was like this crypt or whatever that got me the um, necromancer. And so I still... I've done no reading and refuse to find out what I'm supposed to unlock or what <laughs> things do. It's like grind out, you know, it's nice because I can, again, I can all tap mm. away, but like, you know, edit some photos, watch it loop around, oh, it's paused or whatever. Click a few times. But again, I stand by what I said with it and when we chatted about Vampire Survivor, which is, it still takes a lot of maintenance. Mm-hmm. Or at least I know it pause, you can make it pause whenever, but you, in in the middle of a loop, I don't feel, or like an expedition, like a run. I don't, I am not an idle game player in the sense of it feels weird to just let go. Yeah. Just let it sit there in the background forever until I need a break. So I'm getting back, going back to it a little more often than I'd want. And that's one of the reasons why I've only played it a couple times because it's, it's one thing to have like a mild distraction for break time. It's another thing that if your mild distraction is making break times. Nice, nice. But it, it sounds like it's something that you'll keep coming back to. Yeah, keep yeah. plugging away. Yeah. Nice, perfect. Um, I'm looping on Loop Hero. Yeah. Um, let's finish there for uh, yeah. episode 307. Uh, we'll return to the beers. Um, well, or maybe we don't need to. Have you got anything further to say on the, uh, on the beer idol? The cinnamon has dropped down. I've got this much left, and it's been mostly, again, trying to... Hmm. Forgetting, or being like, oh, I said I'd commit to this. Um, so the surge of cinnamon at the front uh, of the taste is mostly gone, just from acclimatization, and more of the apple is coming through. But it still then finishes with a little bit of like, oh, that's very still very cinnamony, and then it leaves my mouth dry and um, a lingering cinnamon and a bit more. Uh, Beery, apple taste, but not, not, so this would be a lot easier to finish a pint of, but you still wouldn't want, necessarily want to, but like if, if it started here, I'd be a lot happier with the beer, but I still wouldn't ever have it again, mm-hmm. and at this point, like, I only brought one pint glass up because my housemates have used all the other ones, so when we break between recordings, uh, I'm going to be pouring this, you know, quarter of a pint out and rinsing my glass yeah. thoroughly. It make sure there's no lingering. Cinnamon. It's about the amount that I poured out. I think when you showed the glass, I, yeah. I did very familiar amount. I'm like, yeah, that's probably about what I chucked, which is what maybe a third of the can, something like that. Yeah, I'd say, uh, yeah, somewhere between a third and a quarter. Mm. Do the maths. Yeah, no, it's fair. Yeah. Um, the dunkel was uh, similar, and they didn't really do very much as I drank through it. It stayed very similar. Um, lost little bit of carbonation that was pushed at the front it lost that again um and the more i drank and it also lost that bit of bitterness where i've just become a little bit more acclimatized my palate to that bitterness that it wasn't hitting through quite as much uh on the end um which made it maybe a little bit easier to drink probably for most people um but i liked that little bit of bitterness towards the end so it kind of just faded 
a little bit too quickly, I think, for me. Both in that initial sort of flavour, but over time as well, losing a lot of what it was pushing through in the first sort of third or half of the uh, of the can. So yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a, not a bum note, I suppose, for both of us. But beers, I think, we probably wouldn't return to this week. Which happens. Yeah. Which happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, everybody, listener, viewer, friend, if you have beers that you think we should drink, instead you can get us at Tanked Up Cast on Twitter or come over to outoflives.net and comment on the podcast post that is put up there where you can find both the audio version of the podcast and the video version if you want to see our faces and see the beers that we have been drinking. And that will link you directly to our Out of Lives YouTube page as well, where you can see things like uh, the game Adol spoke about last week, his first looks, which went up on YouTube for everybody to go and have a look. What was that game called? Something Sir Bronte? Uh, the, the Life and Suffering of Sir Bronte. Yeah, so first part of that, um, first hour or so, uh, went up today, and then the next hour will go up tomorrow, and the podcast will go up the next day. So if you're not on Twitch right now, you will uh, be able to watch both parts. Nice. Perfect, perfect. Uh, you can get me at Nova underscore 47 if you want to give me your thoughts on Horizon before I launch into the game. I've still got no idea when I'll actually get a chance. Probably not until next week now, maybe. Who knows? Um, and Adel is... At the Omniarch. If you want to talk to him about Loop Hero Strats, what he should actually be doing, looking for, or whether you're just also having a very chilled, relaxed time with Loop Hero and allowing it to kind of do its thing and explore it as you want to. Um, so that's it for us. That's the beers, that's the games. Thank you everybody for joining us. This has been episode 307 and we will see you soon. Bye. Ciao. www.outoflives.net